Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to Start, Scale, Succeed. This week's episode is a recording of an Instagram Live with fashion designer Lottie Woods and me, your host, Nicole Higgins. Lottie, who has worked for corporates such as Asda, Primark and the Landmark Group, but now works with small brands and independents. Some of the topics we discuss are what to ask a designer when deciding which designer to work with, what a designer will need from you, and what are the most common mistakes people make when starting out. And finally, how can you be more sustainable in your design process? So thanks for joining me uh, tonight, Lottie. I was just explaining a little bit about your background, that you are a fashion designer and have been working in this kind of um, fashion design for about eight years for companies like Next, Asda, but now you work independently with smaller brands. Can you just give a bit of background and how you came to leave corporate, what you do now, and a little bit about your business and what you do? Sure. Thanks very much for having me. And it's always nice to chat about what I do. So yeah, I started uh, working on the high street. I was always working for suppliers. So I, it was a really great first like jump into fashion because it was such like a varied uh, view and got to work with so many different clients and high street brands, which is why I feel really, really great about being a freelancer now because, you know, I feel like I've got to work on so many varied projects. So now when clients come to me, you know, I'm not afraid of like trying something new and working on the, like a, you know, I'm, I'm like definitely a multi-product designer. Um, so yeah, I worked um, for like kids wear brands. I also mo- mostly like women's wear. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, I decided about two, three years ago to leave now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've been freelancing for a while and now I, like to work with independent brands and startup companies yeah because I have quite a passion for um, ethical design and sustainability so I feel like at this level you just have so much more input in in that and you can really get involved in the really nitty-gritty parts of the product whereas working on the high street you just didn't really get the opportunity so yeah I'm like much happier now doing this wow and so when people are working with you or working with designers in general if we go a bit broader to start with what do you um what do they need to have ready when they come for you so if you're if you're thinking of starting a clothing brand regardless whether it's men's ladies or kids what do you feel um that people need to have ready when they come to you yeah i mean it's always really great to have a a strong vision of what you want your brand to be because i definitely um, come in when you're ready to do the design so you know you're ready to like start moving forward and you know I can definitely like advise on the best things to do but I tend to work with people who like 
you know, they, they know how many pieces they want to develop and they know the kind of products that they want and they have like in, a few inspiration images or even potentially a few sketches. And really from there, like we can do a lot with quite a little. So even if you have just like a group, like a Pinterest board, like this is what I want. Um, I can really like work with people and start pulling out all the key elements and we can start discussing. But yeah, mainly I would say inspiration images and like a, I would say like a priority list of the products that you want in your first or you know your new range so it's a really good idea to kind of prioritize which shapes you want and um, because potentially you know if you if you are you know working to a budget and you want to launch with five products maybe like it's good to have your prioritize list because maybe the last one you might have to do at a later date or something mm -hmm. like that so yeah it's really all about just um kind of going going with the the vision of where you like what the the brand so if you have like a really strong vision then that's when i can really come in and then we can get moving and Together, try and yeah. like get you to progress <laughs> Mm -hmm. And when people come to you, do they generally, have they found a supplier or are they looking for suppliers at that time? Um, or is it a bit of a mix of both? Uh, mostly people haven't found a supplier just yet. Mm -hmm. um, because I guess it just depends what part, um, like what piece. Some people like to work on their designs first and then move on to that. And we do all the sourcing and do all the sourcing for manufacturing fabrics. And mm -hmm. so it really depends on the person. Some pe someone might prefer to do the sourcing first, then do designs. But mostly I work with people who um, haven't done the sourcing yet. And when people are looking for a designer, what are the questions they should be asking them to see if they're the right fit for them and their brand? Uh, so different uh, designers might have different specialities. Um, so it's always good to know. So if you're doing like a swimwear brand, it's good to work with people who've done swimwear before, for example. Um, so that's one really good thing to look out for. Um, uh, I'm, I'm particularly quite varied. I've worked on like sportswear and swimwear, wovens, jerseys, but mainly I think it's really important to like look at their work, see if you really like their work asked to see their portfolio or it might be on their website and then generally just see if you have like a good vibe from them like it's yeah. really important to follow your gut I think when you're working with people because if you imagine you're going to be working with people um hopefully for you know a little period of time while you work on the project and beyond so I always think it's really important to to know that they're the kind of person you'll get on with so you yeah. can enjoy the process as much as possible <laughs> Yeah, I think definitely to have that good rapport. And I think it also, from my own experience of working with designers, having that being, well, one in terms of when you're briefing and when you're chatting and you're talking to a designer, being clear with what you want. And then that if something is going in a direction that you aren't happy with or isn't exactly how you might have had a vision, but you might not have been able to articulate it properly, that you, um, you know, you kind of nip that in the board and you have that honest conversation with each other to say right actually we need to rein it in on here we need to change this because sometimes what can happen is you can keep on going and people you might be 
you know, being too polite or worried that you're going to hurt someone's feelings or whatever. But, you know, everyone is, everyone has the same aim to make the best range and to design the best range and get the best range manufactured. And, and that's about being honest and direct, I think, with each other as well and being on that same page. And when you're not bringing it back to the page, you're going back to the brand vision and saying, hang on, we've, we've veered a little too far off here or, you know, let's bring it back. Whereas I think that if you're, if you're working with a designer and you're not doing that, then it's nobody's fault because it's nobody's fault but you as a, the person that is briefing the designer that you've not communicated when something isn't working, you know? Definitely. And I think, like, over time, I've really managed to kind of, like, hone that process, you know, of trying to make it a, an enjoyable process, but, like you say, streamlined and we stay on track. So, you know, you have a good relationship, but also we're getting things done. We're making sure, you know, we're uh, checking all the right boxes, making yeah. sure, you know, you've got all the details right before moving on, but then not stagnating in the process. Because the yeah. whole point of working with the designer is to get things moving a bit quicker than you would be able to if you're working on your own. Yeah. You know, I work with a lot of people who, you know, they really want to get involved with the sketching process. And I love it when, when people send their sketches. They're always like, oh, I'm so embarrassed that I've put a sketch together and it's awful. And I'm like, no, that's so great to see that people are like getting a pencil out and sketching their ideas. And you would be surprised at how even like the most simple sketch can be helpful um, just in getting like, you know, it's all about trying to get on the same page as quickly as possible. And so a sketch can be just perfect for that, even if it's, you know, super rough. <laughs> yeah, even if it looks like your five-year-old has drawn it, you know. And, <laughs> and I think as well, just the, the power of, like you say, the Pinterest board and tear sheets, and it's, you know, it's this color on this shape on this, you know. And then as as your job and what designers are great is they bring all that together and and make it kind of happen then as well, which is great. And I think, like you say, it saves a lot of time. Um, because you can work with suppliers directly, but it just depends how good the supplier is and the design resource that the supplier has um, and how confident you are doing that. Whereas if you are giving a, a finished tech pack to a supplier, then you have more chances of getting that first sample right first, mm. generally first time, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's so great to like work with a designer. So when you do approach a factory, you're real confident. You're like, this is my finished design. I know it's good. Like it's got all the right finishes. It's got the zip in the right place. You know, it's got the right kind of neckline or I've got the measurement. Like you just feel like it's such a nice thing to do to like approach a, a factory or a, a small manufacturer and say, hey, you want to work with me just as much as I want to work with you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because then you've got everything you've you've got everything organised and you're sorted. And what what would you see are the biggest, the most common mistakes people have when they are? Um, so, if you're starting a new brand, what are the most common mistakes you see um, entrepreneurs doing? I mean, the first one I would say is working without a tech pack is a biggie because. Um, yeah, they're an important part of the process for a reason, you know, and um, it's just industry practice for a reason. Um, and, you know, I think it's one of those things that it can seem like a bit of an investment up front. 
but if you're trying to cut too many corners in the beginning in the you know when you're getting to the real stage where you're really spending money with manufacturers and sampling and going into production too many shortcuts up front then can then make the end bit like a lot more expensive if there's mistakes yeah <laughs> so, so like I, I, yeah. I was just saying for some people that don't know in terms of if you're asking you generally what a supplier will do is they will charge you x amount of times the cost price for a sample so say a sample say a product is going to cost you ten dollars a supplier might say right but the sample is going to cost you thirty dollars because a sample is made um in a sample room by generally really more skilled workers that are paid more it takes them longer to do because they're not on a production line so they'll charge you more to make the sample than than your actual cost price of the product a lot of the times they'll um you'll recoup that in the order some of the reasons they do it as well is so they don't have every person who has ever thought about starting a brand asking them to make samples you know they try they do it to kind of um you know separate those from the people that really want to do it to those who've just kind of turned around and said right okay i'm going to set up a brand and i'm going to do it tomorrow you know but um a lot of, so what a lot of suppliers will do if your sample costs are 300 pounds but your order cost is 3000 what they'll then do at the end is say, well, just bill me for 2,700. So you recoup your sample costs at the end when you've made that final, um, when you've made that order and you've, you've placed that final order and you're gonna work with them and continue with your however many hundreds of units or whatever it might be. So the tech pack would be one and anything else? So I would say, make sure you're planning in advance as much as possible. Um, Cause sometimes, you know, it's the urge you want to launch as quickly as possible. But I would say making a plan is going to be the best like way of uh, attacking it. Because say, for instance, you want to start launching the summer. Obviously, we're not going to be, I don't think it's likely we'll be launching this summer. So if you want to launch next summer, really work in advance and get as prepared as possible. Like don't wait you know, three months before and like, right, now I'm going to start doing it because actually I think a lot of smaller companies can try and turn things around maybe that little bit too quickly, especially in the very beginning. I would say allow as much time as, as possible for yourself because there's so much to learn in the beginning. So, yeah, I would say definitely, like, have your list of priorities again with the designs that you feel really passionate that you want to develop. And then, yeah, just kind of start as soon as possible um, yeah, and if you, you know, if you don't have a seasonal um, product, then that's fine. You can, like, launch whenever. But if you do have a really seasonal product, just really try and plan in advance. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's knowing what those timelines are. So when you're, you know, understanding, say, from you, right, okay, how long will that design take to do? And then finding out, so say, if that design is going to take two weeks and building it all into a critical path. And for those that don't know, a critical path is like the steps that it takes um, from your idea to go through every step until it's an actual final sample in your hand on the shop floor or on, on your website. So from designing to first sample from the supplier to then pre-production samples for you to check to then final production samples and then to it being shipped. And like you say, it's knowing all those timeframes from so the time frames from, from yourself as a designer, the time frames from the manufacturer for the first samples, the time frames from 
your labeling suppliers and your packaging suppliers and building all that in so you know what's actually realistic and possible so like you say right okay i want to launch a swimwear range for august it's not going to happen because there's too many there's too many you know your samples are going to take two weeks your probably designers might take two you know your design might take two weeks depending on who you're working working with and what they've got on and then your manufacturer depending where you're manufacturing it could take six to twelve weeks and then you've got to ship it so i think it's about people being realistic about if they're thinking about setting up a business thinking about right okay when do i would i want to launch or like you say if it's seasonal and then working back from there and understanding but this is like timelines and critical path i'm having a sourcing masterclass tomorrow um at half, at half seven the link to join is in my bio and one of the things that i'll be going through in that is the critical path and how long things take and there's an opportunity for people to ask questions and, and if anyone has any questions as we're talking here as well like put it in the comments and um lottie and i can hopefully answer them but uh, like you say so timelines tech packs anything else um this is mistakes still right <laughs> yeah so the common mistakes that people make or the things that you see actually hang on that's going to be an issue later on or yeah yeah so i think you said it before just um making sure like you're very clear with your communication and um, because sometimes i think when you're thinking of things in your head you're really mm. excited about things it can be really easy to kind of type out a message it may be actually not be hugely clear with how you know what you're describing so i might always say is like if you can literally like do it style by style so style one is going to be some dungarees i want you know this kind of neckline this kind of leg length i want them to be like this kind of fit and then have a picture next to it that is literally like a dream kind of um email that I would get from a client that's yeah. just listed everything so specifically and then go next style style number two is this and I think that if getting into that habit of kind of um being really excited and saying hey and introducing yourself but then also being able to flip and then be really as clear and specific as possible people will really enjoy working with you in that way because you know the less questions you have to ask um it just makes it just speed up the process for you yeah. for you and, and it does obviously it makes sure that there's as as few kind of mistakes through like a miscommunication as possible mm, no absolutely and what are your favorite projects to work on do you have a particular favorite um i do i would say i prefer to work on women's wear um and i i love dress anything like dresses and things like that is obviously always a joy to work on but i've actually been doing a lot of sportswear recently and that's mm. been really cool so yeah i i don't know i just i really personally enjoy working with people who have like this you know everyone who i work with has such like a passion for what they're doing and that's just so nice to work with yeah and from a sustainability point of view so obviously there's a lot of um a consideration now in terms of not only the state of sustainable fabrics but being sustainable in design how do you manage that um like me personally with or as a, as a designer like as a designer in terms of um can you i know obviously there's sustainable fabrics but in terms of um are you thinking in more sustainable ways when you're designing or um 
you know, in terms of either wastage or use or end use or qualities and fabrics, like, do you bring that into what you do as a designer? Yeah, I mean, I always think the best, like, the most sustainable product is, like, a well-designed and, like, quality product. Mm -hmm. So if you can get, make sure that, one, it's fit for purpose. So, you know, it's it's going to really assist the wearer as much as possible. So even a summer dress can be fit for purpose because, you know, it can make the wearer feel really good. It can be in really nice fabric. Um, and, you know, a summer dress is going to be like a, a natural fabric. So it, it's comfortable. It's not going to make you overly sweaty. And <laughs> all of these things, like the fit's nice. You know, the finishes are really nice. These things really make a difference in a, in a garment because... You know, the better designed it can be and the, the nicer the finishes are and the more comfortable it can be. The more the wear the person's gonna wear it, the more they'll keep it for longer. Maybe when they do donate it to a charity shop when they've grown out of it or don't wear it anymore, mm -hmm. someone else can pick it up and be like, Oh, it's still really nice quality. So I think yeah. that has to be built in from the very beginning and, and that's one thing that I feel really passionate about. Like I always try and guide everyone to make sure the the finishes is as nice so the inside is as nice as the outside mm -hmm. and all these things and so that's one thing I feel like hugely passionate about in terms of and it's, it's very it's almost too simple you know <laughs> but I think sometimes the, the simplest things are actually the most effective but no I think that you're right and it's um I think and I remember um the late I can't pronounce her name now of um see the fashion revolution and she, I remember seeing her at a talk and she was saying, you know, the word consumer or the word is to consume and to like to wear out. So, you know, we used to wear out our garments, you know, whereas now it's been more throwaway. But if your garments are high quality um, and, you know, with sustainable fabrics or, you know, very well made and that you're using great tech packs and you're giving that clear instruction to your designer and to your suppliers, then less samples need to be made. Mm. Um, and Nancy Mika has asked a question, what's a sustainable or ethical number a design should be done in to minimize fashion pollution? Nancy, can you explain that question a little bit more in terms of, um, or Lottie, are you able to answer? I'm not really clear on what the question is. What sustainable or ethical number of design should be done in to minimize fashion pollution? I'm not sure. Yeah, Nancy, if you could just rephrase it a little bit and we'll come back to it. Um, so we can just make sure that we're clear on the question. And uh, and if there's any, like I said, if there's any comments about what questions people that have in terms of um, brands they're thinking about starting or brands that they've started or issues that they're having, whether it's with a supplier or not knowing what to do from a design point of view, then, um, or any kind of questions you have at all, then um, put them in the comments. Nancy's just gonna rephrase her question now in a second as well, and we'll, we'll get back to that. And, um, so how can people find you, Lottie? Where do you, um, so I know you have your new website, which has just launched. Yes, so my website is uh, com, And yeah, on Instagram, it's just lottiewoodsdesign. And that's normally where I'm hanging out. Um, I don't use much else in terms of social media because I don't have time. <laughs> I know, I know. Instagram's enough, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. To be on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook. I'm already, you know, <laughs> and all of that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm always really happy to chat, like in DMs or in, in an email. Um, and yeah, 
I've got loads of information on my website for anyone interested. In working you do with different packages as well, don't you, in terms of how people can work with you? Yeah, and they're normally based on the size of the project. So if someone wants like a small collection or like a slightly bigger collection, obviously that will be just um, priced accordingly. But yeah, I am yeah, very open to anyone who has any questions after this or anything like that. Yeah, if anyone um, wants to I think send your, your um, <laughs> masterclass tomorrow sounds really good. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I'll give it another plug while we're waiting for Nancy to rephrase a question. So tomorrow at half seven, I'm doing a sourcing masterclass and that will be um, giving you helpful ways to find suppliers, the questions to ask them, uh, understanding the whole process from tech packs to critical path. There's um, worksheets that are available as well. So you'll get kind of costing templates to help that does the maths for you. Um, in terms of the different costs from different countries, from suppliers, so you can work out which is the best, um, gives you the best margin, whether it's the UK manufactured product or whether it's the China product. And um, I'm also um, doing a 10-minute Q&A one-to-one with the people that join the masterclass, uh, which is not something I've offered before. Uh, but yeah, the link is in my bio for people that want to check that out. But so Nancy has rephrased and said, in a collection, what's the right number? I presume it means samples to produce your design as we're all trying to be ethical so i'm going to take that as what's the right number of samples to produce your design as we're all trying to be ethical i think that's what nancy means mm. i can go first on that a lot of you want to think i don't think that there is um i think a good thing to do is do the work up front so that you're only so that you're doing a minimum amount of samples um you know because then those samples that you have had made could then hopefully be used potentially as your press samples as they might not, you might not be able to put them into production um, and use as production samples and sell them but they might be able to be used as your press samples um, you know to get your website shots done so I think that there is I think it's more about spending the time at the beginning so that you're having to produce as a minimal amount of pos as possible and and not to sample unnecessarily so if you're doing one t-shirt in 10 colors you don't need to see all 10 colors you just need to see you don't need to see all 10 colors as samples you just need to see 10 swatches to approve for for colors um mm. you know and you can just have the the one sample that you use for fit so i think that it's um it's using your common sense and not and one of the biggest bugbears of suppliers is oversampling and um and not being clear in what you want and buyers or brand owners changing their mind. So I think it's really good yeah. to spend that time at the beginning and working with your designer mm -hmm. to really be like, yep, yeah, that's the design, that's what we want. And I know sometimes things will change and you, you, will, you might change your mind or the fit isn't right. That's a different thing if the fit's not right, you need another sample. But, um, you know, it's just about, like I said, going back to the thing about all the different colors, you don't need those samples, you know, just making making sensible choices so that you're making ethical choices as well. Do you have anything yeah. else, Lottie, to add with that? I'd say definitely knowing, you know, being decisive with your design is going to be so helpful when you're working with the, like in the sampling process, because like you say, if so one good thing about working with a designer and having a tech pack is like you've already thought through all the possibilities and then you, you've made your final decision and you're confident with it. If you go in and you haven't done that, 
and then you start thinking, oh, maybe this sleeve would look better, maybe that. Obviously, then you're gonna have more samples, and then you know you're gonna start kind of maybe annoying the the sample unit um, because you know it's time is money and all that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. But also, if you have some, you know, a really good thing to do in terms of scalability is if you make really beautiful samples that, you know, you can then use for your, you know, photography and et cetera to start build up the hype as well. You can even then later, um, when you've got a few samples, use them yes. in a sample sale so then they won't be wasted. And always, I would say, I always write in my tech packs, keep um, any wastage fabric because you never know, there's so many things you can do with your, like, scraps. <laughs> like, yeah. I really don't believe that, like, scraps are scraps anymore. Because there's so many things you can do when you see the possibilities within the waste. Like, even yeah. um, earlier last year, I was making masks. And I, I ended up making, from the scraps, I made, like, patchwork pillows, scrunchies, yeah. um. And then I ended up sending even the smaller bits that I couldn't make anything out of to someone who wanted to have those kinds of scraps because they wanted to break them down and weave them into new yarns. Yeah. And so I sent all, I sent like a bag like this to her of things that were just not usable. But then maybe then you can even use them as stuffing for a pillow. You know, there's just so many things you can do. And I really believe like in the creative process of trying to, think of different ways you could use things that normally in the past would have just been thrown away. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That's really good. I think, like you say, it's thinking about every journey of the state, you know, every stage of the journey. So it's the beginning kind of making sure that you're really clear so you're not having to do too many samples. Then it's the wastage of fabric, seeing what you can do at the end with that, how you can sell it off, the extra samples, doing your sample sale or using it as um, photography samples. And um, and like you say, those extra bits, you know, what you can what you can make from them or donate them to, or you know, there's always people that are looking for fabrics to do one thing or another. You know, there might not be enough um, fabric for you to make a adult item, but there might be enough fabric to make a child's item, you know, or something like that. So yeah, I think that's great advice. So if anybody, yeah. um, if any, oh, there's a, a fly hanging around here. <laughs> Um, does anyone have any other questions for uh, Lottie or I before we wrap up for this evening or if there's anything else Lottie you'd like to add uh, I was just going to say as well always maybe it's like a really good thing to think of once you've kind of established the, you know once you've launched it's great to think of like the end of life and try and think of a more circular process of how you can maybe encourage your customers yeah. to then like when they finished using the garment, what they can do with it. Maybe they can, you can try and encourage them to send it back and have like a, you know, a second sale in. part of your website. Mm -hmm. There's all these kinds of possibilities I think are going to be coming more and more to the market like in the future. Um, so it's all very much in like the beginning of the process and it's very much like that side of it, I guess, is trying to figure out how you would do it. But I think that's a really interesting way of then potentially, you know, making, you know, it would be really, it's a sustainable thing to do, but also it can potentially make you like a second amount of money on the same piece of clothing, you know, yeah. that, you, that you sold in the beginning. Maybe you can 
bring it back and cut it up and make it into something else. Maybe you can resell it if it's in really good condition. Or maybe you can, you know, then send it on to someone else who can do something with it. And I think that's, it's really important yeah. to start thinking about things in a more like, yeah. So, yeah, I, absolutely. Okay. I think, and you see a lot of people, and especially if the garment's well made at the beginning, you know, and then that fabric is lasting longer and everything. And you see there's so many more um, high end luxury brands now that are doing the rental market or the resale of products um, and other websites that are, you know, reselling um, either lightly used or you know used items so like you said i think that that's a great idea to be thinking about the whole process that sustainability just isn't at the start it can be at the end as well and ho and hopefully then there is no end because it just keeps going round until you can't do it anymore you know exactly yeah but thank you very much lottie that was very interesting and thank you very much for joining me this evening oh thanks for having me it's been really fun i haven't done a live in ages <laughs> so it's good to kind of <laughs> get back into it. I know, I know, but um, well, I'm here every when, every Tuesday for anyone doing lives with entrepreneurs and experts, sharing tips and information with you to help you um, start scale your business. And uh, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you very much, Lottie. See Amazing. you Bye-bye. Look for tomorrow. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Lottie. If you did, I would love if you could leave a review and I look forward to chatting with you again next week. If you would like to hear and see more from me, then check out my Instagram, The Buy and Retail Coach or my website, www.thebuyandretailcoach.com. Till next week.